Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this very special Resurrection Lord's Day edition of Echoes of Calvary. I'm Nathan Sawyer filling in for Wilford Jack this morning. In today's Resurrection Lord's Day message, Pastor Elliot takes us to John chapter 2 verses 19 to 22. Praise the Lord, Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and is alive forevermore. Now here's Pastor Rob with his message for today. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to John chapter 2. John chapter 2 verses 18 to 22 are our Easter morning texts this year. And as we go to John 2 verses 18 to 22, I hope you remember if you've been in this series with us that the Lord Jesus has just cleansed the Jewish temple. He has forcibly evicted profiteers who were making more profit than they were worship. And hot on the heels of driving those huckster salesmen out of God's temple, we read the following account in John 2, 18 through 22. The Jews therefore answered and said to him, what sign do you show to us seeing that you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews therefore said, It took 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. Essentially, those who witnessed the Lord forcibly kick out the money changers from the temple asked Christ a basic question. Who do you think you are? They asked him, who do you think you are? Or put another way, they said, prove your authority to do that. Prove your authority. Verse 18 actually puts it, what sign do you show to us seeing that you do these things? A sign was an authority-proving miracle. And they wanted him to say, what authority-proving miracle do you have for us that gives you proof of authority to kick money changers out of the temple? You know, the fact is, You may have come through the doors looking like you fit right in with everyone else, and in many ways you do, but you may be here this morning in this evangelical Christian church Easter Sunday morning celebration service wondering the very same things that the Jews who saw Jesus kick the money changers out of the temple, the exact same things that they wondered about Jesus. That could be you. You could be wondering, is Jesus truly who he says he is? Does Jesus really have a claim on my life? On my future? Is Jesus Christ's authority operative today? 
in our very fast-paced and complex and sophisticated 21st century society in America? Is Jesus Christ's authority operative today? These are good questions, and we'll come back to them as we consider the whole events around this text. Because this is polar opposite pair number one, the questioning of Jesus' authority versus the conceding of Jesus Christ's authority. Would you please look again at verse 18? The Jews therefore answered and said to him, what sign do you show to us seeing that you do these things? Easter Sunday, 2009, where would you land on the spectrum? At which end of the spectrum would you place yourself? Let's go on to polar opposite pair number two. This is the pair that talks about the denying of the bodily resurrection versus the accepting of the bodily resurrection. I'd like to show you verses 19 to 21 once again. Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews therefore said, it took 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body and when therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. Here our Lord in these verses uses a paradoxical saying. At the same time, it was both veiled and pointed. It was a paradox. It was like a riddle. Essentially, the Lord Jesus was comparing his own physical body to the Jewish nation's material temple in Jerusalem. And the Greek behind the translation here fits this riddle very nicely because the Greek word destroy could either mean to demolish a building or it could mean to kill a life. Same Greek word. And so when Jesus said this temple, it also had a double meaning. There were two very different Greek words for temple. Hieron meant the whole temple complex. It's buildings, it's courtyards. And Hieron is the word used a few verses previous to our text this morning. Let your eye please go to John 2, 14 and 15. John 2, 14 and 15. And he found in the temple, that is Greek, Hieron, which means buildings and courts, those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves, and the money changers seated, verse 15, and he made a scourge of cords and drove them all out of the temple, that is the Hirion, the buildings and the courts, with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Hirion, the Greek word for temple meaning the whole complex, all of its buildings. But there is a second Greek word for temple, and it is far more specific and narrow in its meaning. It is the word naos. Naos. Naos denoted only the sanctuary, only the holiest of holy places within the temple. When they used the word naos, they were referring to the temple's special, sanctimonious, sacred inner part that housed the Shekinah glory of God within the temple. The place that only the Jewish high priest could enter, that was the naos. Naos. 
The verses before us this morning, 18 to 22, it is this word naos that is used three times. Jesus uses this word naos for the holiest of holy part of the temple where God himself dwelt before the incarnation is used three times in verses 19 through 21. I'll read them again with this emphasis. 19, Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this naos, the holy of holies, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews therefore said it took 46 years to build this naos, this holy of holies, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple, the naos of his body in a veiled way, but in an understandable way to a Jew who was alert, the Lord Jesus Christ was asserting, affirming, claiming his own deity. He was calling himself the very dwelling place of God's glory. He was saying of himself, when you are in my presence, you are in the presence of very God. But the Jews who surrounded the Lord Jesus on that occasion of that teaching totally missed his point. They thought that he was just talking about stones and wood. And to me, verse 20 is a pathetically sad verse. Verse 20. The Jews therefore said, it took 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? Jesus actually being the holy of holies, the residence of God's Shekinah glory was lost on them. Jesus being crucified, Jesus then bodily resurrecting from the dead went right over their heads. It shouldn't have because there were good Jews there that day. And by good Jews, I mean there were Jews there who knew their Old Testament scriptures, and there was their Old Testament scriptures that, that taught bodily resurrection from the dead. Verses like Daniel 12, verse 2, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Or there's Job, chapter 19, verses 25 to 26, And as for me, said Job, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he shall take his stand on the earth, and even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh shall I see God. Oh, the Old Testament taught bodily resurrection. It was known to those Jews who Jesus had around him when he cast out the money changers from the temple. And as a nation, they believed in bodily resurrection, That is why Jews never have cremated their dead, and that is why Jews never will cremate their dead, because they believe in bodily resurrection. And the Jews around Jesus on that day when he cleansed the temple, after he had zealously kicked out all the money changers and the profiteers and the hucksters out of his father's temple, they knew all about resurrection by their intellectual apprehension, but by focusing on the man-made temple only and thereby overlooking the incarnate temple, the holy of holies, the naos of God in the person of Jesus Christ himself, 100% God and 100% man, they missed it totally. You know, today, the majority missed 
fact of bodily resurrection today. Atheists believe they die to be no more. They believe they died like a dog. Agnostics believe there might be something after their death. They're hedging their thoughts on that. Buddhists believe in multiple reincarnations to work off karma. And what's the hope of working off karma to a Buddhist? Becoming extinct. Muslims believe that they'll move to a final maturity, much like children develop over time. Hindus believe in reincarnation working up again to eventual extinction. Sikhs believe in the obliteration of the body into God. And New Agers like Shirley MacLaine and others in Hollywood believe in reincarnation. It's just Hinduism redressed for the West. But it is Christians. It is Bible-believing, regenerate, born-again Christians who alone expect a bodily resurrection. It is Bible-believing, regenerate believers in Jesus Christ who take Hebrews 9, 27 very seriously. The verse says, And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. You see, our bodies die once and then they are to be resurrected to face the judge we're all going to face Jesus Christ every single one of us from the atheist to the seek every one of us are going to face Jesus Christ some of us will face him as our sentencing judge and there will be no circumstantial evidence in the courtroom of heaven Christ the judge will have to call no witnesses to prosecute those who have never trusted him to be their Savior and Lord, for he is omniscient. He knows everything. And if our names are not found written in the Lamb's book of life, if we've never transferred our trust onto the finished work of Christ from our own self-efforts, then we are lost eternally. But God is not willing that they should perish. And so he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so we will either face Jesus as our prosecuting judge or we will bow our knee to Jesus as our delivering savior. There was a prairie fire in the West many years ago and it was totally out of control like you see in California sometimes nowadays. And there was a little town that was petrified as the flames were being whipped into huge, raging, out-of-control fires. And they didn't know what to do. And some of the townspeople started to organize the town and said, run, outrun the fire, let's outrun the fire. And some in the town tried that without success because you can't outrun a prairie fire in a high wind. But some of the town's civic leaders were smart, and they said, let's go outside of town where the grass is still grass, and let's pour things, gasoline on the patch of ground, a big patch of ground, and let's pre-burn off an area, and let's huddle and cower and lie prostrate on that burn-off grass, and when the fire comes, maybe it'll pass us over. And it did. Those who took their security in the already burnt-off patch of grass did not die. The the fire burned over that spot and kept going, and unfortunately it killed the townspeople who ran in their own effort to get away from it, and they burned. 
I'm here to tell you with the love and authority of Jesus Christ that the cross is the burnt off patch of safety for sinners. Because all of God's wrath that we all deserved was poured out on the cross of Jesus Christ on our Savior and he paid in full our sin debt owed to God. And if we will come to that cross in faith and we will call out to that Savior in trust, he will take our punishment. He will absorb the wrath of his Father that we deserve. And the people who are baptized today were saying, among other things, I'm safe in the refuge of Jesus Christ. Are you? You can be. You don't have to face Jesus as your prosecuting judge. You can be forgiven. You can be given the grace of God, the mercy of God. You can be in that scorched-off patch at Mount Calvary. Here's how you would do it. From where you sit, you would say, God, I have blown it, and I am a sinner. And I can't save myself. I can't outrun the fire. Thank you that Jesus took the full impact of the flames on the cross for me. I cling to him now and for eternity by faith. Make me new. Make me clean. Cause me to want to live a thank you life to this Savior the rest of my days. I transfer my trust to him alone. And I thank you, Lord God, for saving me, although I do not deserve it. If you made that your prayer, God hears you. And he will never forget your birthday into God's forever family. Polar opposite pair two then is denying bodily resurrection or accepting bodily resurrection. And we've decided that the only biblical place to be is to accept bodily resurrection is true. So far in John 2, 18 to 21, we've seen the question of Jesus' authority. We've seen the question of bodily resurrection. And our third and our last polar opposite pair are those who believe in the Christian scriptures and those who do not believe in the Christian scriptures. Verse 22. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus has spoken. When did Jesus' disciples believe the scripture? After his resurrection from the dead. And what caused his first disciples to bank on the words of Jesus being the words of very God? It was the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so I ask you, do you believe in the veracity, the trueness, the authenticness, the authoritativeness of God's word, the Bible? Do you believe in the scriptures this morning? Do you build your life and your eternity on the promises of this holy book? I have a family member who doesn't. He married into our family, and whenever I ask him about the future and about his soul and about heaven or hell, he says, you always go back to the Bible. I said, yes, I do, Keith. Because I'm staking my life and my eternity on it being true. What are you staking your life and your eternity on? 
Do we see the Holy Bible as authoritative in our lives, in our marriages? We heard testimony from the baptistry this morning that a husband and a wife are standing before us celebrating their 32nd anniversary this past week because of Jesus Christ being the new foundation of their marriage. Do you see the Holy Bible as authoritative in your marriages, in your businesses, in your behaviors, inside and out of church? Do you see the Holy Bible as authoritative in your handling of money? Do you see the Bible as authoritative in how you budget and use and spend your time? You must if you're born again. The truth and the accuracy and the authority of the scriptures are not optional for the person who is saved by Jesus Christ from sin. Jesus' first disciples eventually got to the place of believing the scriptures. And how again did they get there? By facing Jesus Christ's authority as very God, the naos, the holy of holies, the very repository of God's glory in human flesh. How did they get to believe in the authorities of the, of the scriptures? They faced Jesus' authority as very God, but they also accepted bodily resurrection as their destinies. And they got to the authority of the scriptures last by witnessing their Lord and Savior's bodily resurrection from the dead. And at this point in the message, I need to point out a logical chain that's going on here. Really, we should point out that it is in getting Christ's resurrection right that we get Christ's authority right, and then when we get Christ's authority right, that's when we get the Bible's authority right. So if you're struggling with the authority of the Bible today, get on board with the authority of the resurrection as truth today. This sermon started by asking the questions, is Jesus who he says that he is? Absolutely. Does Jesus really have a claim on me and on my future? For sure. Is Jesus' authority operative today in a very fast-paced and complex and sophisticated 21st century world? Yes, now more than ever. And this Easter, because Jesus Christ is bodily risen, choose to concede his authority over questioning his authority. Choose to accept bodily resurrection as being true over denying that bodily resurrection is true. And this Easter, choose to believe your Bible on your lap over disbelieving or doubting the scriptures. I'll never forget a man I ministered to in the last pastor. He was dying. And I'm told that his pastor from a liberal Christian church went to his bedside to minister, to encourage him as he faced death. And the pastor of that liberal church forgot to bring his Bible. And so he turned to his dying parishioner and said, do you have your Bible with you in the hospital? I seem to have forgotten mine in the parking garage. And the dying man said, yes, pastor, it's right on the table beside my bed. Feel free to use it. So the pastor opened the parishioner's Bible and he found a terrible mess. He found squares of paper cut out of the pages. He found pages missing. It was just a butchered mess. And the liberal pastor said to his dying parishioner, what's wrong with your Bible? It's, it's, it's fragmented. It's ripped apart. There's holes in the pages cut out. And the dying man said, pastor, every time you call the text of scripture into question as to whether it was inspired, I just cut it out. 
I just ripped it out. God, deliver us from clergy who tear apart and viscerate the Holy Bible. We claim and accept Jesus' authority. We claim and accept bodily resurrection. And we claim and accept total confidence, unshakable confidence in the scriptures. And we know that we have a risen and an authoritative Savior who has perfectly fulfilled and validated the entire word of God from Genesis to Revelation. And we hold to these things because what else will sufficiently undergird us when we next go to the cemetery and we stand beside a gaping open grave that is soon going to receive our loved one's body that is within a casket. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Jews therefore answered and said to him, What sign do you show to us seeing that you do these things? And Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews therefore said, It took 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us at these times. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior. <laughs>